Mark wrote this, And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see men, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. I want to read this one more time. It's a short passage, but there's a lot in here. Two things I want you to watch for. One is, just one more time, ponder and think about what is going on that Jesus has to do this twice. And secondly, I'd ask you to watch for, or see if you can see, we're going to say that word a lot this morning, all of the words that have something to do with sight. Let me read it again. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man, begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I see men, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. Let's pray one more time this morning if we could. Awesome God, what we know not, please teach us. What we have not, please give us. What we are not, please make us. And Father, what we don't see this morning, would you open our eyes to see? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We have some famous phrases, iconic phrases, if you will, about seeing in our culture. Tell me if you've heard some of these. Now you see me. Beauty is in the eye of the... This is the way I see it. What you see is... Seeing is... Seeing is not always believing... Depends how you want to say that, right? Who you are. I was blind, but now I... And anyone name the artist here? I can see clearly now. Johnny Nash. Who said it over here? Well, I have a... Yeah, all right, in the back. That's right. We have a prize for you. Come out after the service. <laughs> Very well done. I can see clearly now. I've been singing that all week, you guys. I've been singing that all week. Jesus said, and he saw everything clearly. Today we come to a very critical moment in the book of Mark. We started studying through Mark last September, and we've taken a couple breaks here and there, and we come now to this epic turning point in the gospel of Mark, a very intentional turning point. We've talked about some words that mattered for us as we broke kind of this first part of Mark into two parts. We talked about how Jesus or Mark's trying to disrupt our understanding of Jesus and reset our understanding of Jesus. And this passage, these five verses, end the first section of Mark. 
You might call it the continental divide of Mark because we've been climbing to this point and next week we're going to start going down the other side and literally everything changes. Mark has been building to next week and so today we kind of enter into a little bit of a concluding aspect to this passage or this book, this first half of the book of Mark with this very important and interesting and, might I say, weird miracle that Jesus does. And the question to all of us is, do we see clearly? Do you see clearly? Mark, actually, in this passage, went to great efforts in this very compact miracle to use this motif of seeing. In the original language in Greek, when Mark Mark wrote this, in this very short passage alone, he uses eight different words for seeing. So we have basically one word for seeing in English. There are eight different kinds of words in Greek, and he uses eight of them in this passage, in this short, tiny passage You might wonder if he's trying to say something to us. So the question is, do you see clearly? Do you see Jesus clearly? Some of us might argue nothing is more important than seeing Jesus, and simply that is our point today. But there is a paradox when it comes to seeing Jesus. In order to see clearly we have to admit that we don't see. Are you willing maybe this morning to do just a little bit of self-reflection? What do you need to see in Jesus today? Well, we have to admit that sometimes we don't see. In fact, what are those things that you think most about in your life, that you daydream about? What occupies your thoughts? Where do you spend most of your time doing? In what ways do you envy others? See, Mark wants to bring us to this point where he, he wants us saying in the depths of our soul, I'm supposed to see something in Jesus, but I'm not sure I see it. And this is the moment where Jesus begins to open eyes. The humility to say to Jesus, I don't see clearly, can you give me eyes to see, is where Mark wants us to be entering into next week. He wants you saying, I'm supposed to see something in Jesus, will you help me see it? And so today we're going to ask Jesus to open our eyes to see To have the humility to say, I can't see, but will you help me see? So today's passage exposes three layers, if you will, of seeing Jesus. Jesus shows himself to the one, to the man. He shows himself to the disciples, to the twelve, and then to the many, to us, to all of us who are reading us, this passage. And the promise to us today is that if we come with a desire to see, he can help us see clearly too. So, let's ask, what do we see in this encounter? First, to the one. So there's a little bit of a disagreement, that's the wrong word perhaps, for how many actual miracles are recorded in 
the four Gospels, the disagreement being are some of them, you know, is one different than the other. But for the most part, it's in the upper 30s that Jesus probably did. I mean, there are many more miracles that he did. John tells us that. But recorded in Scripture, there's 35, 37, depending on how you count them. So let's have a little crowd interaction today. I want to help engage a little bit on this Mother's Day. What? Just tell me, just shout them out, what are some of the miracles Jesus did? One more time. Still, water into wine. Thank you. I uh, try. Okay, try again. Here we go. What else? Turn water into wine. Healed, uh, raised Lazarus from the dead. Good. So we could just say he raised people from the dead. He did a few, right? What else did he do? Feed the five thousand. Cast out demons. Walked on water. Dealt, healed someone with leprosy. Fed 4,000. Good, Steve. Yes, we're on it. He did five and four. He's got both those. Okay. And, and, and today, made the blind see. Thank you. So, what was the most important miracle, do you think? I'm not going to answer that question. It's impossible to really say what was the most important one. But I do believe this, that this miracle, causing the blind to see, was incredibly important for the Jewish community. And we've talked about this several times, but I want to point it out just one more time. That Jesus did all these things. He healed a deaf man. He raised people from the dead. He healed, he walked on water. He healed a leper. He healed demon possessed. He fed 5,000. He fed 4,000. And he healed the blind. And when Jesus healed the blind... It was a turning point. In fact, when you look at the gospel writers, in the gospel of John, John uses seven miraculous acts that Jesus does to build this idea to who he is. And the longest account that John gives in the gospel of John to any miracle is the miracle where Jesus heals a blind man. At the turning point in the gospel of Mark, where we head now to next week, which is the confession of Peter... What miracle does Mark use to help us see and understand who Jesus is? It's the healing of a blind man. That there's something significant about this idea, this concept, that the Messiah would come and he would be able to heal the blind. So three things that we're going to address in each one of these groups. The first question I'd like for us to ask in this very specific miracle, just looking at the surface of what happened here, that Jesus comes on the scene and causes this blind man to see, what is he saying? Whom do we see because of this miraculous encounter? We simply see the Messiah, that Jesus is the one who is to come. Jesus is declaring with this miracle to the man who is there, to the disciples, to Mark's readers, and to us today, that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one to come who can bring meaning and purpose into all of our lives. Well, the second question we'll ask is, how do we see it? Well, we see it because he is the fulfillment. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Jesus healing the deaf man and the intentionality of the language that Mark was using, and he uses it again here on purpose, should direct us straight back to Isaiah, chapter 35, verses 5 and 6, where it says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. So, so what's going on here in this passage is basically in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah spent 34 chapters go, telling Israel, you're really making a mistake, you're worshiping idols, your heart is in the wrong place, and, and I know the world is a mess, but don't worry. He says this huge turning point in 35 where he says, 
don't worry, there is someone who is to come who will make everything right, and here's how you're going to know. Here's the evidence of the fact that you will know that the Messiah has come, and it's this, the blind will see. The blind will see. Jesus can heal the blind. He is the one who is to come. And so what do we see? If whom we see is the Messiah, how we see it is how he's the fulfillment, what do we see? Well, we see that there's freedom. That when we see Jesus as the Messiah, that when we encounter him as the Messiah, it brings us freedom. See, the Israelites were worshiping other gods when Isaiah was a prophet. And all of those other things were keeping them from having true purpose and meaning. And what does Isaiah offer? What does he promise? There is one to come who will bring you freedom. And Mark is offering you and I an opportunity to see the same thing today. So let's ask, how has your work week been? Some of you have been looking for meaning in rest, in comfort, in work, in working out. And the drain of all of that is getting to you. Maybe right now some of you are in an early life crisis, a midlife crisis, or a late life crisis. And you're saying, what does it mean? And Mark says, I want you to see Jesus. He opened this man's eyes and he wants to open yours too. What we should see here is the Messiah. And when you see him, he will give you freedom because those things that are causing you anxiety and obsessiveness and envy and resentment, what happens is, is when we set our eyes, when we turn our eyes to Jesus as the one who can give us purpose and meaning, then those things are destroyed, to say it strongly. That Jesus, because he is the Messiah, destroys anxiety, destroys obsessiveness, destroys envy, destroys resentment. And Mark asks you and I, in response to this miracle that Jesus has done, do you see clearly? Do you see him? Well, the next group of people that are encountered in this passage are the few. So I like working on things. Here we're going to get into the interesting part of what's going on in this miracle. I, I'm a hands-on guy. I'm right now rehabbing my uh, bathroom in our basement. My dad and I are working on it together. It's a lot of fun. And there are certain aspects of rehabbing and doing things that I don't like, and it's the things that you have to do multiple times. So I don't like painting because when you paint the way I paint, because I'm not good at painting, it always needs a second coat. And I feel like this miracle is kind of that. Like Jesus looks at this guy and he kind of rubs his eye, spits on his hand. I didn't spit on my hands that time, this guy. I didn't do it. He rubs his eyes and then he says, can you see? And he says, not really. I can, I mean, people look like, and then he's like, well, maybe I needed a little more spit. And he goes, and he does it again. And all of a sudden he can see. It, I mean, let's acknowledge here the weirdness of what's going on in this parable, right? That I mean, we just said a bunch of miracles. We, we, called out, we called out like seven of the 35. 
And so let's say that there were 35 miracles. This is the 35th. Of the 35, how many of them did Jesus have to do two? Like, do it twice. I'll just say one. That rising from the dead, once. Walking on the water, once. Feeding the 5,000, it was, I mean, all the miracles that he did, it's one time, but not this one. Why? What's going on here? So Mark, many agree, and I would also agree and argue, that he's using this as a parable for the disciples. Just last week, we looked at some of the probing questions that Jesus asked the disciples, and one of them, in Mark chapter 8, Verse 18, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and that's sometimes when we break up these passages into weeks, we lose the flow of what's going on here. But if you'll think back with me, we ha- we've had this flow of this, what's happening in the Gospel of Mark. Basically, Jesus heals a deaf man, then he feeds 4,000 people, then he approaches the, the Pharisees and the disciples, this is what we talked about last week, and he says, watch out for the leaven of Herod and the Pharisees, the people who will tell you to think about life differently. And the disciples are just still missing the point. And what does Jesus say to them in verse 18? He says, having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? That, that basically what, what Mark is trying to do is he's connecting the dots and he's saying, The disciples don't see things. And so the reason why Jesus does this miracle in this unique way is he's trying to say something to the disciples. He's actually trying to say something to them about spiritual blindness. That they have been a part of everything. They have seen and heard all that Jesus has done, but they still yet don't see. And what Mark is saying is that Jesus is that remedy for their spiritual blindness. That he is going to, the, to the disciples actually have this same thing. That the disciples have, been, have had Jesus touch their eyes and they see things in a blurry way. But what's about to happen is Jesus is going to help them see clearly and see fully. And so to talk about what we see here. Whom do we see in Jesus? Well, we see the Savior. We see Jesus as the Savior. Mark, again, as we summarize where we've been in these first eight chapters, Mark has went to great strides to challenge us to understand that Jesus isn't here to just do miracles, that there's a bigger picture. It's not the wise words. It's not the confronting of the religious leaders that we're supposed to be drawn to in Jesus. What, hap- what this miracle is telling the disciples and telling us is he wants them to see that he is the one who is to come who will save us from the debt of our sin. That, that basically Jesus is the Savior. I wish we could spend more time talking about the language of what it means that Jesus, how he healed him and all the specifics of it. But it's important because what Mark is pointing to as he's thinking about the laying on of his hands, he's helping us understand the cost that Jesus will incur in order for us to be saved. And Mark wants us to remember the cost to Jesus in saving. He's going to take our place. He is the one who's going to be our Savior through sacrifice. 
It's the turning point here. It's to steal the thunder of next week just a little bit. It's what we're going to see in Jesus is that Jesus didn't come to be the king and fix the government. Jesus came to be the savior who would die and suffer. And so through his sacrifice, we have hope. So what we see here is forgiveness. If what we see in the healing of the man is that there's freedom, what the disciples are seeing in this dual miracle, this parable, is Jesus is saying, I'm going to help you see all things clearly. You have what seems, you've seen all the evidence, but I'm actually going to be a sacrifice for you. And when you see what I accomplish on the cross is when you will see clearly. So I would ask you again, how has your week been? (laughs) And have you been struggling with sin? Have you been wrestling with a guilt or a shame that you just can't seem to wash? Well, the hope of the passage this morning tells us that Jesus took our place that he's the Messiah who stands in the courtroom of God and demands justice from God because his sacrifice provides forgiveness for all. I wonder if you see that clearly today. Mark wants you to see that in Jesus. Just like he opened the disciples' eyes to see that, he can open yours too. So what we should see is the Savior here. And when you see him, you will feel that joy and the blessing and the hope of forgiveness because of this destruction of the penalty of sin that he has created. So I would ask you, do you see clearly? Lastly, we'll go to this, the many. Because there's another layer to this healing and parable. We've been slowly moving outward that we talked about just on the surface that Jesus heals this man to tell us what, that he's the Messiah and that freedom is here. And then we look at the second layer, which is to say that Jesus showed the disciples something unique, that there is spiritual blindness that's an issue that needs to be dealt with. And how is your spiritual blindness going to be dealt with? It's going to be dealt with his sacrifice and there'll be forgiveness for all. But there's this third layer too that I want to point out. This third layer of the parable, that when Jesus comes on the ha- on into the communities to provide freedom and to provide forgiveness, there's still something even this as powerful and beautiful that Jesus is doing, and it's bookend here in the first part of the book of Mark. I wonder if you remember in the Gospel of Mark what Jesus' first words were. See, in the Gospel of Mark, in Mark 1.15, Jesus said this, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. And I think the third layer that Mark is pointing us to is he's saying, Do you see Jesus as the Messiah? Do you see Jesus as the Savior? And now he's asking, Do you see Jesus as the King? That when Jesus comes into the world and breaks into the world, what's happening here is the kingdom of God is at hand. The healing of this blind man is a foretaste of the kingdom that is to come. 
the kingdom that we get to be a part of, where Jesus will, when we will see Jesus without veiled faces, and we will see everything clearly. And so whom will we see? We will see the king. That's who we see here. We see Jesus as the king. If we were to describe the world right now, how would you describe it? I mean, most people, yeah, everyone's like, that's, it's this, it's this overwhelming opinion that things are not going well. But guess what? That's because there is no one who is the king besides Jesus. Of course the world is a mess because they don't, they need Jesus. They need to see Jesus as the king. If we, see, what, what's going on here is Jesus is saying, look, my kingship, my kingdom, the way I'm going to be king, nothing rattles that. Nothing shakes it. Jesus came into the world and died as a victim of injustice so he could usher in a new kingdom. And that's how, what we see now. We see the king, and, and, and how do we see that he's the king? Because his kingdom is breaking in. It's breaking in through his people, through his church, through, through those who are saying we're, we're ushering in a picture of love and grace and healing into the world. We get to be a part of that. This is what Jesus is building, a place where everything will be made right. And he shows it in his healings to give us a taste of that, to give us hope. And so what we see here, what Jesus is doing is he's restoring, which should point us directly to the end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 20, where Jesus will restore all things in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 20. 21, I'm sorry, it's chapter 21. I gave the wrong verses to Jonathan. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And here's why we have hope for restoration because God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain for the former things have passed away. You see, Mark wants us to see Jesus just like he opened up the eyes of the man so that we could see him as the Messiah, just like he's about to open the eyes of the disciples so we can see him as the Savior. Jesus also wants to open all of our eyes to see him as king. So when we're in that place of losing hope and losing heart, we would be reminded that he is the one true king. So let me ask you, how was your week this week? <laughs> Were you frustrated at the evil in this world? Were you disappointed and depressed by what seems like an endless barrage of pain and hurting? Well, what we need to see is Jesus as king. We need to see him as the one who is bringing his kingdom and who will restore all things. And when we see his restoring power breaking into the world, it will bring and turn us into a people of hope. It's interesting, right, that we, when we see Jesus, what would be the defining aspect of the people of God is that they would be free, forgiven, and hopeful. And I'm curious, does that describe you today? Because if not, you need to see Jesus. This is what Mark wants us to see today. Are you struggling with meaning? 
Come see Jesus as the Messiah. Are you struggling with sin? Come see Jesus as the Savior. Are you struggling with evil? Come see Jesus as the King. But let me push on you just a little bit. (laughs) Are you willing and ready to have your vision transformed the way that Jesus wants it to be transformed? Do you want to see? Because it will change the way you see everything. And maybe sometimes we just have to be honest and say, we don't want to see clearly. When we see clearly, it means that Christ's ethic will be brought into every area of our life. This story tells us that our journey with Jesus will be a continuous path from seeing blurry to seeing seeing clearly. We will see power more clearly. We will use our power to help the weak because Jesus became weak so we could be strong. We will see our money more clearly. We will use our money for mission and generosity because Jesus became poor so we could be rich. We will see relationships more clearly. We will use our relationships for blessing and community because Jesus became lost on the cross so we could be found. So do you see clearly? I'll close with this. So in my short journey as a pastor, this concept actually is something that has really resonated with my heart. I've seen broken marriages, abuse, death of the young and the old, heartache, shame, guilt, and so much more. And the temptation in my own personal heart is to be a fixer of those things. That there seems like there's a myriad of solutions we could offer for people who don't have meaning and for people who are struggling with sin and for people who are struggling with evil in this world. And, and I, I venture to say that if we were open up this moment here and say, hey, what, what can we do to solve the problems of this world? And it's not necessarily that we shouldn't engage on those and, and wrestle with those topics and ideas, but church, I would offer this to you. That in all of the situations of our lives, what we need more than anything else is to see Jesus clearly. That whatever you're struggling with this morning, no matter where you are in this journey, that that what is absolutely the beginning to the remedy of freedom and forgiveness and hope is to see Jesus And I would ask you, is that what you're looking for? Are you looking to him? Because he is the answer to all things. And what I've learned as a pastor is I can stand up here and say a bazillion things that might solve your problems. But the one thing, the only thing 
that can truly begin the process of us experiencing freedom and hope and forgiveness is found in the one true king and the one true savior and the one true Messiah who one day spit on his hands and he touched a man's eyes and he said, do you see clearly? And the man could see. And my friends, Jesus wants us to see too. Let's pray. Almighty God, we come before you as people who are see blurry. <laughs> it's hard for us sometimes to be honest and vulnerable with the things that we don't want to see, but Father, in this moment, Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and help us to see. And what we know that we need to see is Jesus and him more clearly. So as we head to the table of communion today, Father, open our eyes to who he is. And as we see him more clearly, might we experience the promise of what it is to see him that we would experience freedom and we would experience forgiveness and we would experience hope. So we ask that boldly today in the name of Jesus. Amen.